Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of. Se- I think it's six. Yeah, yeah. Season two of the Ice Sphere. Um, today we are talking about hell. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was casually browsing Netflix today, and I saw something that had the words Scottish Highlands in it. So I, I had a wee, had a wee look at the. The um the d- the description for the film falling for Figaro, and um all it took was me watching the little kind of pop up bit from like the film that plays automatically, and I thought it looked horrible. So I was like, yes, I have a film to cause Joy psychological damage with. Um, hey Joy, I know what we should talk about. Um, it wasn't the trailer. It was actually yeah. like it, for the record, as I see in chat, it wasn't the trailer. It was like specifically the, um, like the wee segment that Netflix plays. That's like from the middle of the film. Um, the preview. Yeah, the, the preview. That's it. Um, but yeah, Joy, what were your thoughts? I. So. We've watched we've watched some bad Scottish rom coms together. Uh, Castle for History comes to, uh, Castle for History uh, Castle for Christmas comes to mind. I can't even talk. I'm so upset about this film. <laughs> um, there were a lot of things I went into it thinking, "Wow, this could be genuinely good." You have Daniel McLeod, who is a plus size actress, being portrayed as like a sexy, competent woman, and she's like hmm. very desirous to all the male characters. And then she has no chemistry with anybody. It's so disappointing. Anybody. There's, there's, I mean, if your rom-com has me rooting for the rich CEO boyfriend and not the guy from the small town, something went wrong. Something went <laughs> yeah. very wrong if I'm rooting for the ex-boyfriend. Um, I felt uh, really it, sorry yeah. for him. I did. It was, it was like, I did too. So... Like to to lay out the the basic premise of this film, it starts with um, the lassie and her boyfriend watching an opera, and yeah, the, boy, the, the boy the boyfriend's falling asleep, and she's really into it, and she she gets home and they you know it's like a, it's a big day tomorrow. She's presenting at the hedge fund that they both work at. Um, and she's going to be like getting a position to like lead up a, a hedge fund project. Um, but she she doesn't want that, and she drops absolutely everything with very little discussion with her partner that she lives with, um, and they were mm-hmm. planning on getting a puppy together, and she takes a year off to go and study opera singing, um, despite having not expressed any interest in opera besides watching the show. It would it would be a bit like me and Jessica going to watch a film at our local Cineworld and then me going, I'm going to be a director. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> abandoning everything. <laughs> As someone who deals with rom-com, I, like, I've edited my fair share of rom-coms. There are so many ways I would have been able to make it work that they just didn't do, which tells me the people that wrote it don't actually know how to do romance beats. So every story has a beat. Every genre has its own beats that you need to hit for all of them. This hits none of them for any of <laughs> them. Castle for Christmas hits some. Yeah. 
this does this does not hit any of them. The way you could have introduced it, like she's like, oh, I've always had a secret passion for singing. Okay, then you need to show her singing in the intro, not just watching yeah. YouTube videos of people singing. You need to show that she has some sort of interest. Have her singing in the um, shower or something, you know? But uh, yeah, and I think the fact that it opened on them spectating an opera that's just something that like you know it's, it's kind of associated with like wealthy people going to the opera like a night out at the opera kind of thing um so yeah didn't get that i think you're, you're spot on about the, the beats though because i'm thinking how the like me and joy were scratching our heads before we started streaming and it was like why was this set in scotland what, there is no reason for this film to be set in Scotland. The far north at all. of Scotland. Like, why would you go to the far north to learn opera when the most prestigious opera trainers are all in London, which is where Millie, the main character, is from? Yeah, and and it like the the, the way they do it is the like it's it's basically the what well, the master mentor lives in this remote Scottish town um, that has. Le- nothing but a pub really um and and farms and yeah yeah so she they, it's like they have to get her up there somehow so of course she's got a contact in the um the like royal conservatory or conservatoire yeah. even um and the like she basically gives her the phone number for joanna lumley of all fucking people who lives in the scottish islands um, and I think it probably is worth saying this film is set majority in the Scottish Highlands, um, but so few of the cast are Scottish. Like none of the main players in the cast are Scottish mm-hmm. at all. Like Scotland is very much used as like set dressing, and that's about it. Um, it and- it's a curious trend I've seen with a lot of these kind of the Netflix attempts at like Hallmark stuff. Is that it's always mm. oh, a Scottish rom com. The main characters are never Scottish. It's just set there. Yeah. So it's a bit like you're going to a, a theme park to fall in love. Yeah. And but they're using the the Scot the popularity of Scottish romances to get. It, it's like the it's like when you have like um, the way the algorithms work. You pick the most popular algorithm on like if you're doing publishing or media, you you go for ones even if they don't strictly apply to try and get more traction so that more people are likely to click on it. And I think Scottish rom-com was included to try and get the Scottish rom-com fan base, because that's huge. Yeah. Like, in, in, in the romance industry in America, Scottish romances are absolutely massive. And I, I feel like it was just purely marketing. This could have been set anywhere in the world. In fact, it, it could have been set in Australia because all the opera singers were dubbed by Australian opera singers. It didn't need to be in... <laughs> the uk they could it could have been a, a fantastic australian comedy rom-com yeah. set in australia and the actual singers could have been able to sing instead of dubbing over these characters that are for some reason in scotland um i, I can't believe that yeah. this film makes me want to compliment a castle for christmas because even I they know. even they handled the scottishness of the setting like slightly better like like th- this is really really ham-fisted as in like she she arrives to go and find this mentor and she like she stays in a pub the pub's called the filthy pig right and then you've just got this like 
fucking barrage of like oh there's no internet oh they don't have computers up there oh there's no hot water in the bath and you're like come on fuck like I, I hated it. <laughs> to be fair, there are there are some houses in Glasgow that do, are, are like Scotland in general that do not have those things. But the same is true in England. But like I there are remote parts of English countryside where the, you know internet is sketchy, plumbing sketchy because the buildings are old. But the Scottish tropes are always oh there's no telephones oh and it's like we yeah, invented it's wasteland. <laughs> is, yeah, I mean, it was, oh, I, I knew it was coming because when they, she goes for her audition with this mentor who wants to hear her sing first and yeah. like they're speaking on the phone and she's like, oh, do I send you like, a, do you want a sound file? As if she's going to like send her it remotely. And she was like, mm-hmm. what the hell, what the bloody hell is that? And Joanna Lumley's fucking accent. Um, he's like, oh, it's, a, it's something that you would listen to on your computer. I don't have a computer. And it's like, fucking hell. Uh, it's it's bad, and I I feel like that's yeah. that's the introduction, um, and then you've got this really like I don't know the characterization of all the Scottish people in it's really annoying as well because the first Scottish person you meet is the the like the the owner it's Gary of the Lewis. Hub. Yeah, it's Gary Lewis is the um the dad from Billy Elliot, and he kind of yeah. plays these kind of typecast gruff scottish characters that their only default setting is grumpy tight-fisted and you know it 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 really it was it was so bizarre that he's an owner of a pub and he will not let her rent this room because he doesn't want to have to do the laundry he doesn't want to have to cook meals for her he doesn't want to have to show her around he's like it's not worth it for 45 quid a night and it's like you would have no business yeah. if you did that it's like why the fuck do you own a, a bed and yeah. breakfast with a pub yeah. <laughs> um but yeah like that right away was awful you've then got the you're then introduced to the the grumpiest wet wipe of a man who's supposed to be the romantic interest who's Hugh skinner I, I don't know their names i, I don't want to look it up did you look up imdb I've got it sitting in front of me I'm, because I'm, I wanted to. I wanted to see what kind of travesty this was. But yeah, I'm he have was there. Um, <laughs> the main character's name is Max Thistlewaite. Yes, that was painful. Um, yes, I've noticed there's a lot of films that begin with falling for. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know it's weird. Like top cast, like. There's someone called Juliet who's apparently the top cast. Yeah. As in over Danielle McDonald. Who the who was who was Juliet? Uh Juliet was uh Christina Bennington, and she's briefly on at the very, very start with the actual opera singers when they're singing together, and that's oh, right, what the that, that that Millie and her boyfriend are watching. That's who they are. Right, okay. So they actually have some fairly good actors in this, and then you see them for like five seconds, <laughs> and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah, it's ah uh, man, like I'm the guy. The, so the guy in it, this um, what's his face, Max, Max. Thistle Wheat, Thistle of all fucking things. Um, yeah, he he's awful. Um, I I didn't like how they wrote his character at all. It, there, there is no chemistry. I, there, there is more chemistry between a dishcloth and a sink 
Like the, the it <laughs> it felt so flat. It was just like so wet and damp and awful. And you're supposed to believe that she will leave her actually very supportive boyfriend for him. And it's like, why? What is this? Because although her boyfriend, he does, he's kind of falling asleep during the opera, and it's kind of like, oh, ha ha, men don't like women's interests sort of thing. After he, she explains things to him, he's actually like, okay, if this is what you need, I will support it. And he's gung ho after that point. He is yeah. very like he's reading tweets and news, like, uh, news reports to the company, and he's so proud of her. And yet she still cheats on him with this Max Thistlewee and it's supposed to be like the morally good choice because it's like, oh, well, we're not like actually meant to be together. We're not actually romantic. Like, Whereas you and I have such romantic chemistry. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, fucking where? Where is the chemistry? Nah, like, you that's see, the moment... Sorry, the mom- throwing things at the television. <laughs> see, the moment you sing a song with someone, you're like bonded for life. Um, and that is very much how it's portrayed in this. It's... It, it was it was horrible seeing like if you watch this film you're gonna come out of it thinking that everyone involved with opera is a fucking cunt right yeah <laughs> and I'm I don't think that's true it's probably worth clarifying that but like it really does not paint a good picture of anyone involved yeah. with opera Joanna Lumley is like a sadist that like chokes her while she sings none uh, of the things joanna lumley does should be done by a singing instructor like she, <laughs> yeah. at one point she's got she's holding her tongue and she's pulling it yeah. to make her elongate her tongue for better like enunciation and then other times she's doing scales and joanna lumley grips her by the throat and is like forcing her to sing past a stranglehold and i'm like <laughs> this is not teaching this is-, this is not singing what is this and you never yeah. see Joanna Lumley sing like this supposed fantastic opera singer. Never opens her mouth except to tell people to fuck off. Yeah. And it's like, what was I, sorry? What was this yeah. rated? Six point four out of ten. Yeah. Fucking really? Yeah. Jesus. That was the that was the moment I realized I'm like I have no business having imposter syndrome. <laughs> I was just sitting there like. Huh. I like I, I need to be kinder to myself because this is this is bad and yeah. Yeah. It, it's I feel like they don't make her boyfriend back in London. He's not he's not evil or smarmy or rich kid enough to be like unlikable. Right, yeah. which is the kind of standard for these things. Normally, you'd get like the juxtaposition of the, like the the town boy who's like pretty pretty rough around the edges to begin with, but then has this heart of gold. But he's an arrogant cunt for like all of it. <laughs> he's he's awful. Like he's genuinely awful. Like so, it's it's worth saying that this guy Max Thistlewaite, um, he's he's training to be an opera singer as well. And the the interaction and the rivalry between Millie and Max, like, it genuinely just sounds like they both fucking hate each other. And that he he really doesn't like her, and she's a bit confused why she why he doesn't like her. It's it's just a mess. It's- and then Yeah, they're trying yeah. to do that they have a love hate, like they're trying to do enemies to lovers. Except there's legitimately nothing. Like, 
Millie's character is just confused the whole time. She doesn't actually hate him. She's just bamboozled as to why this guy's really? being shitty to her. Yeah, And then like, it's portrayed as like he hears her singing and he has this moment of like, oh, she must be my soulmate because look at how, look at how she sounds. But no, we are competing against each other in this competition. I can't let her lose. But then it's they have this moment where they, they start helping each other and it's supposed to be this big moment and it's like, it's really not because you've not given them any build-up. Like, there would have been more romantic tension between Millie and Joanna Lumley's character. Yeah. Yeah. There, that would have been more believable if Joanna Lumley's character turned out to be, like, a masochist or whatever and this is, like, her moment of, like, oh, I'm actually a lesbian. And, like, it would have been more believable if it was all of a sudden all the, these harsh lessons that she's been putting her through and she has this moment of realizing oh no she's actually brilliant and the other one realizes oh no i'm actually into being strangled by my singing teacher <laughs> that would have been more believable than what we actually got yeah i mean like so max is training in the with joanna lumley as well but also does like all of the fucking jobs in the village he, he like he's the maintenance guy he's the cook at the pub and like, he's just so deliberately rude to Millie at, like, every fucking, like, turn. Like, he, he slams her food down in front of her the very first night, and then when she's actually singing with uh, Joanna Lumley the first time, he's, like, banging on all the fucking pipes outside. He's to doing all the plumbing, yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no reason for Millie to like this guy at all, but... He hears her sing and then suddenly does a complete 180 and then is like really helpful and he's given her books about how to how to like sing better and like whether you you know how to warm up properly and all this kind of stuff. Um because it's worth saying that she hasn't had any prior singing lessons. She's just kind of no. like <laughs> she's listened to opera enough and she's just kind of winging it. <laughs> it's um, such a bizarre setup because you never hear her sing until the moment she does the audition and this mm. perfect voice comes out and you have joanna lumley screaming at her that it's terrible yeah and it's just like this guy max has been training for five years to get to where he is and you're supposed to believe that millie is such a like like just so like unique and special that she she grasps it in a couple of months to the point where she's like stunning and amazing and it's very like like I I don't use this term lightly. It's very Mary Sue, and not for the reasons that a lot of people like. A lot of people hate the term Mary Sue because it's like oh, a woman who's competent at everything. Well, yeah, because it tends to be the way that like male characters are competent at everything. Women characters mm. should be able to do that too. Except with Millie, there's no basis for it other than she has a dream, and it's like what in <laughs> yeah. Disney is this? Like what you know? It's you never you never hear her singing. You never hear her singing, no. and that's what really annoys me. There's no reason to believe that she can actually sing um, yeah. until she goes to these lessons. And that's like almost 20 minutes into the film yeah. before you hear her singing. And I'm like, no, and if you are having someone who's flipping her life around to become a professional opera singer, you have to have her singing to the birds. You have to have her singing to herself in the shower. You have to make that a core part of her personality. And, and the funny, do it. The funniest thing about that is that, like, after the first audition, where she honestly sounds pretty fucking good, right? She then starts her first real lesson with Joanna Lumley and sings like wildly off key, and it's like, yeah, there's, 
you you can't you can't have an addition at this level and then bring her down so Jana Lumley builds her back. Like she's obviously yeah. if if she's that good that she gets in in the first place, um, she would obviously be able to hold a note a little bit better. Um, it was nice to see Sanjeev Kohli in this, actually. Sanjeev, it was! <laughs> who's, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he's Naveed from Still Game. For anyone who doesn't know Still Game, watch Still Game. Um, it's a really good introduction to Scotland, I would say, in Scottish humour. Um, yeah. But, um, sorry, go on, Joy. I was just going to say, like, as the boyfriend, he's totally likeable. Like, apart from that little moment where he's, like, falling asleep at the start of the, th- the film, it's, like, after that point, he's, like, very understandable, very supportive, and very, like... It, he keeps saying things. He's, like, when, when she announces that she's not taking this huge promotion, he's, like, where the hell... He's, like, wondering if she's having some sort of mental breakdown, and he's trying to be supportive and be, like, hey, this has come out of nowhere, and then she tells him, like, oh, I'm going to be an opera singer, and he just looks at her, and he's, like, okay... If that's what you need, like, and presumably he's still paying for their flat while she's yeah. spending all of her money. Like, she takes, she takes a year. <laughs> she takes a year out. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's great that she can pursue her passions like that. But if she's taking a year out, she's not on any sort of, she's not earning money out there. No. <laughs> I was like, like, I was watching it and I was like, what in the privilege is this that you can take a year off to go there and opera in the Scottish Highlands whilst your boyfriend keeps your London flat by himself? I'm like, how yeah. much money do you fuckers have <laughs> that you couldn't have just went to opera singing lessons in London? Yeah. And is so the like I, I don't want to say the romance is blossoming, because it never fucking blossoms in this film no. once. But like Basically, they're a ball here away from like kissing for the first time, and the boyfriend from London surprises her by visiting. And obviously, he's like really enthusiastic, and he like tells her about how proud he is. And like, then, like, I, f- I thought that scene was really short lived, and then he just goes back to London. Um, he spent a night with her. Like one night, just to see. he missed her so much. He went to the Scottish Highlands for one night before going back to work. From London, he drove From up. London, that's like a fucking eight-hour drive, nine-hour drive. Oh, more than that. It'll be. I think from London to Central Belt, I think it can be about ten hours. Yeah, so he's he's definitely he's he's fucking he floored it all the way up to Scotland. Um, but yeah, is so he, he spends spends the one night and then and then goes down. And I noticed that there was quite a lot of scenes where the camera really lingered on the pair of them in bed as if it was like showing that they're growing more distant. But they really weren't the entire time. Um, they were, and a lot, of the t- a lot of the time, the growing distant was her having a conversation with him whilst he's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's not his fault if you're talking to someone who is asleep. Yeah. You need to have these conversations when both of you are alert. And um yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, what was the there's there's another bit where it's like the two the two of them, as in Max and Millie, um, like there's like he I I, I remember I think I looked away from the screen for about like thirty seconds because I was doing something, and then like 
he was jumping on top of her and there was like an opera singing video like it was one of those things where you could see the background that was kind of blurred out and you could see him kind of like moving but he, he was kind of like he was like dry humping her while this op- awkward dry humping oh, in your life fucking atrocious and then you've got like an opera singer like on youtube like on a laptop like taking up i'd say about two-thirds of the uh two-thirds of the screen and yeah i thought that was terrible um and she's watching and instead of instead of enjoying being dry humped <laughs> like, it's the i don't it's very such a weird like if you're ha- if you're if you are going to cheat on your significant other, which, by the way, is what she keeps calling her boyfriend, not yes, her boyfriend, and it's like that's it. Because it, oh, so they, that just tangent briefly, she keeps saying significant other, and everyone goes, "That's not very romantic, is it?" And it's like, that, and since what? when does calling someone your significant other not have romantic attachment? Like attachment to. It? to it. I think it's, it, it's yeah. she. She says like. Because Joanna Lumley plays a really weird role in this relationship as well. Because um, she's, like, advising Max on, like, how to get with her. Uh, kind yeah. of. It's, it's really weirdly done. Because, like, Millie says to Max, oh, he's my significant other. And then Max tells Joanna Lumley, it's like, oh, she says that he's significant to her. And Joanna Lumley goes, well, that's not very romantic. You know what you should do? You should leave for a little while, and then she'll miss you, and then you'll then you'll come back. So this, bearing in mind that Max is one of the only other people in the fucking town, and also is works at the pub, she's naturally gonna ask where Max is, <laughs> and gets a really cryptic fucking message from the pub owner, being like, "He's gone," <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, gone where?" He's like, "Gone as in not here." And then he comes back and suddenly she's like really keen on him, which is... He's gone for like a less than a day. <laughs> a day. <laughs> it's like when you leave and your dog thinks you've been gone for an eternity because <laughs> they have no concept of time. It was just like he could have literally been down the shops and she would have been like, I miss him so much. And it's it like, it, when he shows up, it's like, oh, he came back. And it's just like, girl, he was gone like maybe half a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you and complaining also, about? Also, you still have a boyfriend. Yeah. And I'm. I. I you know what? I've already tried to purge this film from my fucking mind, actually, because I've realised that I know. Because they go to Edinburgh at one point, um, because both of them are wanting to enter an. Opera, opera competition. competition yeah yeah and it's like a like one of the kind of televised like opera competitions because there's so many of them and, it's supposed um, to be like strictly come dancing i suppose but for opera yeah yeah that sounds about right and so they go to edinburgh because edinburgh is one of the uh, like areas of addition and added china lumley and max travel together in this like proper old car because they're all quaint and parochial and from the highlands and they don't have modern cars um, they don't have technology so they, they go in this ramshackle old car all the way to Edinburgh where you get this aerial shot of um, like Princess Street that's been like colour corrected to fuck it's like the grass is so bright green uh, in Princess Street and then yeah, so they, they end up singing. She sings Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. 
um, in in opera form, and yeah. apparently this blows the mind of everyone. <laughs> it shows everyone how brave she is and how opera doesn't have to be pretentious. And I'm like, it's fucking opera. <laughs> it's, it's opera. I'm like, yeah. If you're taking, they said that. He was singing perfect Italian, he was very good, and he was like, it's emotionless. I'm like, how can it be emotionless? It's opera, and it's in Italian. It's the most emotional thing on the planet. And she's singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and they're like, it's so brave. And it's like... (laughs) What drugs are you on? That's the thing. So this is published in a newspaper, and it's like, um, this, like, the guy Max who sang in Italian, it's like, he, he is technically he's excellent but there was no emotion in this <laughs> and then she fucking sings twinkle twinkle little star and it's like rising star in the opera scene <laughs> everyone's standing okay. to applaud and it's just like yeah. jesus wept. fucking hell so they both end up qualifying for the for the main event which is in london i'm guessing um and they, they end up going... I, I've noticed that there isn't really a conflict, and this is maybe back to your Beats uh, mm-hmm. thing, but there, there isn't really a conflict between the two of them. Like, he's he's obviously an arrogant dick for, like, the majority of it, and then they try, like, you know, they kind of dry hump each other a little bit. I mean, he dry humps her. She's, like, too busy <laughs> looking at opera singing on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> We've all been there during a video essay. Um and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's like there's no there's no like conflict. There's no like coming together and then like a bounce off and like there's there's nothing like that. I think they try There's no and, tension. Yeah, there's, there's no nothing. tension. And they try to treat all these big moments as like all oh, the break and tension and they haven't built any tension to break. Yeah. It's like having a romantic attachment to a vibrator at this point because that is what he is functionally serving as. He is an inanimate <laughs> object that she is latched onto because her boyfriend is not there. And yeah. it's it's just yeah. so like and she has this like the the moment where she's like apologizing to him for not wanting to sleep with him and he's like, No, it's fine. And it's like, and she never once is like, oh, I had, like, she's like, it's not really cheating because we didn't sleep together. And I'm like, is it though? Is that how that works? Like, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I know couples have got different, like, levels of what they consider to be cheating, but I'm pretty certain kissing someone and having dry humping still counts as a breach of trust for some people. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's, it's, it, well, we never find out because it's not like the boyfriends ever fucking told them about it. <laughs> you know, you never get to see yeah. his reaction. Um, it's and then and then it's justified her breaking up with him because all like she realizes, oh, he's not actually supportive, and I'm like, bitch, where? Like the whole yeah. time that she's like, he doesn't support me. I'm like, the man drove from London <laughs> to the Upper North it's, and to is tell you your life. <laughs> He's funding everything. Yeah, he's as, keeping your job for you. Yeah, as like it just it's, it's worth it's worth saying as well before we get into. I, I was I was slightly ahead of Joy in my watching, so I was get like I was I was seeing Joy's reaction to stuff that I'd already seen, um, and there was a there was a couple of like what the fucks and oh this is really bad, and then there, I was just waiting for it and. <laughs> I just got block capitals. What the fuck sent to me? 
<laughs> so it's worth saying Max, the guy who's like up in the Highlands also learning opera, has tried to win this opera competition twice and has failed both times. And this is his third and final attempt for some reason. It is not explained that there's a cutoff. Maybe he's too old. I don't know. But this is his last chance to win the competition. And Joanna Lumley, in her, like, in her expert, I'm going to mentor you opera ways, like, tries to basically construct an emotional scene for him to be able to riff off of to have a, a powerful performance. But before that... So, yeah. He proposes. He, well, he, he constructs the power... Of, he, he, like, constructs the scenario in which he'll get rejected. Like, that was my interpretation of it. I might be completely off the mark. But he proposes to Millie at this competition before right she goes... Before she gets off stage, she gets yeah, off stage. Sorry, she gets done off wonderfully. Stage. He gets down on one knee immediately. His ring box has a blue LED light in it. It has a light reason. in it. <laughs> he proposes, and he proposes, and she runs away and throws up. Um, <laughs> and it's right before he's supposed to go on stage and he's supposed to sing Figaro, which is supposed to be about a man singing about his accomplishments and like having happy emotions. So he's setting himself up to fail. So that he has a justification for why he loses the competition. Oh, it's because he's just been rejected, therefore he didn't give it his all, I think. Oh, that's not how I saw it. I thought he was like I thought he was going out of his way to get rejected to like reach an emotional depth that he's like incapable no. of. He needs, he needs to experience like severe rejection so he can go on and like <laughs> and sing it. Because I thought that's what Joanna Lumley was like kind of trying to nudge his way towards. It's like, oh, he needs his heart broken because she'd mentioned his heart broken yeah. earlier in the film. So I was like, it's like, even though he's not really shown that much interest in her beyond oh, I really like her singing voice, he proposes completely out the fucking blue to someone who he's not actually in a relationship with. Her boyfriend is watching her perform. and she... The boyfriend's in the audience. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and yeah, it was very funny seeing you react to that because like, <laughs> you, like, you were like, oh, this is so bad. And I was like, this is so much worse. Just you wait. It gets so much worse. Um, but yeah, like, so he he goes on after being rejected and puts on an extremely powerful performance of Figaro. Um, and and you, she's sitting next to her boyfriend in the audience watching and she's pretty much just wetting herself watching him. Like, oh, look how talented he is. And the boyfriend's like, that kind of looks like the waiter from that hotel you're staying in. And <laughs> yeah. that's like... Yeah, it's the guy that she's cheating on you with, bro. That's, that's, you know. Yeah, and then, like, you see the amp, so the the end result comes in. Um, she she doesn't win anything because she's talentless, apparently. Um, so, like, Millie doesn't win anything. Um, and she, she leaves and goes home with her boyfriend, and she's like, it was a wonderful adventure for, like, a year. 
Um, and that's how they kind of like wrap up the night. The boyfriend falls asleep and she then goes, but wait, <laughs> maybe I'm just at the start of my journey. <laughs> maybe I need to continue singing at opera. <laughs> uh, and like the the boyfriend's being kind of supportive in a way that's like obviously she's gone and tried something and he's supported yeah. her throughout the entire thing and then she says i'm gonna come back and you know get my job back and we're just gonna continue but like i've been really grateful for this year of like learning how to sing an opera and he's like he's kind of supportive of that as well. He's supportive of her having gone away and come back and then realised that she's just going to continue working at the hedge fund. Um, and then... It's relieved because he's getting his life back. Yeah, and they can get a puppy like, now. Yeah, they can get a puppy. And it's and, it's very... She's It annoys me so much that she's just... She keeps saying he's unsupportive. And I'm like, where? Yeah, there's... Like he, Admittedly, at first he thinks she's having a mental breakdown when she says she wants to leave to sing opera for a year, but that's understandable if that comes out of nowhere. Oh. That would be like me telling Mothman, oh, uh, for, by the way, I'm leaving for a year to go learn skydiving because it's suddenly my passion because I watched a YouTube minute. He'd be like, <laughs> have you taken your meds today? Like, he, would, <laughs> he would just be like, where is this coming from? What do we need to discuss that you feel there's such a need to chase this adventure that you want to upend our entire lives. Yes. And the boyfriend's reaction is very understandable. And then Millie's reaction of, you just don't understand me. And I'm like, if this was my friend, I would be like, this could be some sort of episode. As <laughs> someone who deals with mental health myself, I would be looking at that and going, mm, yeah, mm. you know, like it's, it's not what? just that she's acting crazy. It's that she's acting out of character. And Sorry, we've, we've not... forgotten to mention like one of the crucial things she says at the start over dinner with her boyfriend where she's like, oh yeah, I pretended to have a therapist when we met because I wanted you to think I was deeper and more complicated than I actually am. <laughs> so she, mean, There's just, so many red flags with like, her. There's so many red flags. <laughs> she's like, she's straight up been lying to her boyfriend about like needing and having a therapist. He, like, Which is probably grounds for needing a therapist, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Yeah, sorry, um, I can't. I can't believe it's taken us this long to clock onto that because <laughs> it was one of the first things that I, I noticed. I was like, "Hold on a minute, someone lying about a- attending therapy to like to prove something to someone emotionally seem emotionally better than they actually are." That's like that's like manipulation. That is, he entered into that relationship under false pretenses. That's not just oh, I didn't tell him I wear makeup every day, and he's surprised when he doesn't see her with her false lashes on. This is literally (laughs) she's pretending to have a greater mental and emotional stability than she actually has, and he just takes that in his stride. Like, yeah, seems (laughs) legit. Yeah, he he goes, "Don't worry, I'll fund your opera career." Is, is and it, strange. it's so weird because she says to him she says she leans forward and she's supposed to be this like sassy powerful character at this point and she leans forward and she's like she's like you're either going to support me or you can fuck off and he leans across the table and he picks up his class and he goes well here's to you and he's like he fully like he, he gets it he's he's all in behind her yeah like he's willing to go with whatever this train wreck is because he loves her 
Yeah, and, and he wants a puppy so with her. <laughs> he, wants a, he wants to have a life with her. He wants their flat. He wants a dog. Like, he wants more. He wants the stable life he thought they were building. And yeah. she's just derailing it all on a whim. I, and it's... <laughs> Yeah. And that and I think that's the thing that annoys me the most. It's like it's one thing to have a dream and then have your partner like support that dream and if it's something that you've like longed for and spoken about. But like see when she talks to him for the first time about like wanting to go and learn opera, it's like she's never like fr- from his reaction, it's like she's never expressed this before cuz <laughs> he's kind of like uh-huh uh, are you sure you okay he's like he's like opera and she's like it's always been my secret passion and he's like looking around the department as if to say where uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's looking for any traces of this apparent passion that she has yeah. and it's just like it it just straight like you know she's supposed to be this rising star at their company like she's sitting in this board meeting at the start of the movie and they're all just applauding her and singing her accolades and like oh all of our clients love millie her, they come her, to her for millie her, her boss is saying that she's like elevated fund management into like sacred like sacred terms with their clients and you're like the the boss is like lavishing her with praise like as in it's it's overkill and it's to be honest that scene alone is very cringy and what Which i imagine again, a lot of hedge funds are like <laughs> yeah but it also hits all the wrong beats yeah because it gives her no reason to leave her job she's not unsatisfied she's just bored yeah like she's not it's not as though she's being underappreciated like the classic romance trope is you know women CEO leaves her high power job because she's not actually satisfied with it and she's sick of being put down and you know or she but, has a reason to go to the rugged you know countryside because yeah. somebody dies or something you know there's a reason for there's, her to leave there's, there's no, no escapism there's there's nothing like she's she's literally progressing as well which i think's like it'd be different if she was like you said kind of like stuck or she's not hitting the glass ceiling no. She's elevated. She she smashed through it. She's like, the, and the boyfriend's so excited. He's so happy. He's like, I'm so proud of you. And then she goes, well, she stands up in the middle of this meeting and she's like, I'm not taking the promotion and walks off like it's a power move. And it's like, <laughs> how would this not be seen as like a crisis? Like, how do you not look at that and be like, are you okay? And she treats well, that, you know, she treats it as if it's a major flaw that he doesn't immediately just go, okay, honey, let's just give up everything and go join the yeah. circus. Like, it's so <laughs> weird. The thing is, he, so the the boyfriend, the rich boyfriend, the hedge fund manager boyfriend is in the room with her when she rejects yes. it. And it's like, it's, so hold on, they didn't even speak about her not taking this job as a couple. Like, she didn't mention it to him at all. She, like, no. she, it's, it's almost like she decided during the meeting that she wasn't going to fucking do it. And I, I, to be honest, I think the, the end of this film kind of sums it up. So Max, having actually won the competition for the like that third time that he managed to finally win it, he gets basically transported into like the upper echelons of like all the famous opera shows in like London right so he's yeah. he's doing that as his career now and he's very well healed and he's got a secretary and the secretary's running and saying oh your your partner has fallen ill of this evening um but we have two replacements for you which replacement would you choose we have this person who's a total bitch and a cunt and she's nasty but she she sings okay or we have this 
a young up-and-coming star Millie. And I don't know how long this is supposed to be after the competition. It's three years. Oh, is it three years? It's because it flashed oh, I, up on the screen that right. it's three years later. I but this is that after, fucking bit. This oh, is is a, this, yeah, this <laughs> is after she's gone to bed with her boyfriend that final night and she's talking and she she's like, oh, are you rolling your eyes at me? He's asleep. Yeah. And then she, and then she just, she sits there and she goes, oh no. And then it cuts to three years later and it goes to Max living this like fancy life as an opera man. Yes. And it's, and it's so weird. The pacing is so, so it's, weird. It's such a, like, it's such a stupid time jump for the last five minutes of your film. Like, I, I wouldn't, like, okay, three months, six months later, yeah, sure, I can kind of believe that. Three years and apparently she's been training opera all this time she's obviously not been training it with joanna lumley in the highlands she's been training it somewhere else um and she's she she ends up being chosen to be his partner and they sing together but before they sing together there's a a brief discussion where he goes and how's how's your significant other doing and she goes he's not so significant anymore <laughs> or something like that and it's like what the fuck is happening it's like your supportive rich boyfriend who funded your year-long fucking escapade in the scottish highlands um and supported you the entire way through while you were earning nothing and not doing your job and chasing your quote-unquote dream of being an opera singer <laughs> um apparently uh he wasn't he didn't make the cut apparently <laughs> it's just yeah. Again, so. it's because she's having the conversation with him while he's asleep. Yeah. yeah. She, she thinks he's non-communicative. <laughs> he's unconscious. It's not <laughs> that he doesn't communicate with you. It's that you only talk to him when he's asleep. <laughs> yes. I mean, we, don't, we, we never have proper conversations, she says, at three o'clock in the morning as the guy's asleep for work the next day. It's, it's, fund her lifestyle. Yeah, is is such yeah. a strange film, and I suppose just bringing it back to this film absolutely doesn't need to be set in Scotland. It, it absolutely doesn't. It is the like it's the cheapest form of cash grabbing. Just having Scotland as kind of like your fantasy rom com backdrop. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. There's there's like one scene in the pub, which is actually the scene from the preview on Netflix that's insufferable. And it is, like, she's sitting, eating dinner, and, like, all of the Scottish people in the pub are, like, all staring at her because she's the... They're she's, just watching she, her. She, She's the incomer. We don't like incomers. <laughs> you know, that kind of fucking level of it. So she's... With her fancy cell phone and her fancy laptop and technology. <laughs> I know, and she's like, "Oh, so what did you do in in London?" And she's like, "Oh, I was a, I was a hedge fund manager or a trader or whatever she says." And they, she's like, and, "And why did you come up here?" And she was like, "I wasn't satisfied." And they have the they have the Scottish woman who apparently doesn't know what hedge funds are. Goes, "Was the pay crap?" <laughs> and she was like, "No, I just I just wasn't satisfied." And it's like, so you came here. It's, uh, it's, horrible. it's horrible. Filthy film. pig to find yourself. Yeah, you came to the filthy pig. 
And it's um, so annoying because it could actually be good. It could. I I can see it in my mind's eye how you would. I mean, it's so rare to have a plus size actress be the hero in a rom com, and for her weight to never be a joke, and for like because yeah. that that's the thing. The boyfriends never once comment on her weight. It's never made into a thing where she's made to feel lesser about herself because that tends to be what happens when you have plus size actresses being. The, the hero character. It never comes up, which is great, but she's totally unlikable. She just cheats <laughs> yeah. very, she just cheats on her totally very supportive, very like he's shown to be very passionately into her. He's shown to be very loving and considerate. And although concerned, he does kind of be like he does kind of get with it and he goes, okay, if this is what you need, this is what you need. Yeah. And it's it's so <laughs> flat and none of the beats land. And I was sitting there the whole time going, this actually could be something. You could have someone who goes to the Royal, you know, the, the RMC, the, the Opera College in Glasgow. Yeah. And they learn there because that a lot of the really good singers go there. If they can't afford London, they go to Glasgow. You could have her going to school and she meets somebody, but at least have her meet a local lad, you know, like a young Scots boy who's yeah. trying to get into opera. Because, uh, like, I'm sorry, but the boy Max is... Like he is not Scottish at all. Like he's he's not. He's very like in upper it, class English. Upper, upper class English to the point where you're like, why is this boy here? And like, obviously the settings. I mean, this was filmed in Argyll and Butte. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. And it's it's just like, why? Like it doesn't make sense. Because it's, it's, it's not like you see him in a kill. Like they don't do any of like the Scottish rom com beats where it's like you see the get the the guy in his kilt for the first time. Like in in fairness, a castle for Christmas did get those beats in in regards to it's, you saw the guy in the kill and oh he's as much a kilt as I and, as much as I begrudge giving Castle for Christmas any praise, it does actually hit the beats of the genre. Yeah. It, it, it's bad, but it hits the beats, it hits certain expectations, and Fallen Figaro hits none of them. It's so flat, nothing makes sense. It's, it, it's almost like when you read romance that's written by someone who thinks romance is easy, and yeah. they don't understand the actual appeal of the genre. They think it's just, you know, cookie cutter. Oh, well, this is dumb. Let's just do, like, let's just make this as simplistic and silly as possible. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. Because people will watch it anyway. And it's yeah. it's so, so badly done. <laughs> it's just, like, very, like, yeah. I I, I literally, well, so I was, I've, I've been having... I struggle with a lot of mental health stuff, which I've talked about in the podcast before. I'm in a bit of a depressive funk at the moment, worrying that my second book's not going to be as good as the first and maybe I should just quit. And I ended that film going, no, fuck this. If this can get government funding from the Australian um, the equivalent of the BBC and Creative Scotland, I can do this. I'm fine. I am yeah. okay. <laughs> like I actually like as angry as I am, I left it feeling better about myself. Good. Um, you should. I, <laughs> I, I, I cured my depression briefly because I was like, "Holy shit, this is terrible." That, I mean, like, like see, you know what's weird? See, looking at the IMDb reviews, right? It's I, don't trust anyone who reviews anything on IMDb, right? Because all of them are thick as mints, right? So. <laughs> Uh, well, so this is if so 
This review says, if you like opera. For opera buffs, this is a pleasure to watch and listen to. It doesn't go deep into the, like, mechanics of opera singing. It's... It's the hobby of the film. It's Singing not like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not it's not like a fucking deep dive into the world of opera. Like no. It is genuinely like atrocious. <laughs> One of the reviews is bet you've never heard Twinkle Twinkle Little Star like this before. 8 out of 10. What? I, I'm seeing way too many, like, is this some, someone, say, okay, so I have an internal movie rating, like, schema in my head, right? As in, there are very, very few films out there that deserve a 10 out of 10, right? Like, for example, one of my 10 out of 10 films is The Shawshank Redemption, right? I think that's probably one of the best mead films mm-hmm going and it's up there that and return of the king um that like return of the king is like fucking esh- like top tier echelon of filmmaking right for someone to go on and say this was a nine out of ten film for them in the pantheon of all the other fucking films in the history of film a nine out of ten are you insane Somebody that's never seen any other film in their life is like, wow, this is great, moving pictures. It is. It's like someone someone from the fucking 1920s was shown this film and they were like, holy fuck. Film's come a long way. (laughs) Sound and colour. It's like, Oh, now we're getting a bit more... Yes, so look looking at the lower tier ranks on IMDb, one of them's like, Hallmark Channel stuff with an edge. <laughs> so, and edge! It, yeah, it's, it's just... It's, it's, it's awful. I, I, I just... I fucking hate it. I hate, I hate how... I hate how people have reviewed this well. <laughs> it's like... It's, it's averaging a 6.4. It wasn't a 6.4. And again, no hatred to Daniel McDonald, but like, Jesus. Um, it was very, I, the acting could have been better, but they had very, they gave very lackluster performances. It was kind of like, oh, this is like a paycheck, which is fair, but also like, you could tell that they were just like, this is terrible. This yeah. is bad. Yeah, it's just... It's... We are still talking about the same film, unfortunately. We, we, we are moving on, though. We are moving on, because I am at my limit. Yeah, I was, we're gonna, <laughs> we, should, we should just put up, like, a, like, this is now the intermission topic. We need something else. But yeah, we're, we're done with this film now. It's, it's like... Uh, okay, final marks out of ten, Joy? I would give it zero if possible. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll give it a, a solid... A three out of ten on account of it's a film that actually has moving bits. So I think <laughs> it's, it's atrocious. Don't watch it. Nobody watch it. No. I mean, you can if you want to feel better about your own storytelling. I mean, that would be my only kind of... True. If you've ever had imposter syndrome about anything you're doing, watch it and go, this got government grants from two different countries. Wow. I am good. Yeah. No, that's a uh, yeah. That okay. We're we're done on this film. Intermission we are stuff. Done. Right. 
trad wife werewolf porn. Hit us, Joy. <laughs> I, are we talking about the trad wife werewolf porn again, or are we talking about the other phenomenons, which is just the fact that trad wife kink is because it's, it's been normalised by the algorithms? Because that was, when we talked about it the other week, it was the trad wife werewolf porn, and people have been filling my inbox ever since with, like, asking questions about it. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm not reading it. But I since have noticed that I'm getting so much trad wife content on my Insta. And I know you've mentioned you've seen it on your TikTok as well. Um, TikTok, kind of Pornhub, like, what's the difference? Nah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, I've, I've seen it's... I, I feel like there's certain groups out there. Um, I say groups. There's certain people out there that have, like, I'm just like, like, obviously this can be like a person just identifying a market, so to speak. But there's definitely like a kind of um, incel Jordan Peterson type guy who is very against. Um, you know, it's it's quite, it's quite. I'd, I'd say it's probably quite common at the moment for those type of guys to rail against um, women that they can't obtain. <laughs> yeah. As in, they go they go off on one about oh the girls that are in my you know like the girls that are local in my town all of them have OnlyFans and they all go out drinking at the weekends and I yeah. fucking hate them and so there's also a certain group of women who've kind of identified that this is a guy they can appeal to by really playing up the kind of 1950s. Like yeah, it's a it's a, cons- it's a conservative for anyone who's not aware. Trad wife refers to traditional wife, and it's women who are usually conservative, and they are trying to be like, I'm not like other girls. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I want to have children and be married. And it's very kind of God husband. Like the the creed yeah. that I've seen a lot is God husband. Um, and then it's some. It's like it's like God's God yeah. husband, wife, kids, and it's like the umbrella thing. Where yeah. It's like God sits at the top and bestows all authority to the husband, who has authority over the wife, who has authority over the kids, and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's 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 very um, Christian culty, yeah. and just admit you've I got was, a breeding kink like the rest of us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But it came up the other week in the podcast because I was talking about the Instagram ads that I keep getting for Tradwife Werewolf Porn, where it's you know the duty of this traditional woman to yeah. basically breed with the alpha king, and it's it's very Andrew Tate meets conservative woman who's happy to lick the boot as long as she gets power over other minorities, and there has mm. been a, a fairly large rise in women who are feeling confident in saying, "I am a trad wife." And they talk about all the things they do. And the, the, the couple of examples I've seen are that they talk about the gratification they get from being under their yeah. husbands and being subservient. And I'm watching it and I'm sitting here going, that's just a kink. It's not the natural order of life. Because they, they, they frame it as it's the natural order of things. That's why it feels so fulfilling. I'm like, just say you have a submissive kink and you want your husband to be your... like. Just say it. Just say you want a slave master dynamic. And you're you want to do it twenty four seven? Just say it, because it's not the natural <laughs> order of life. It's just a king. You have to be. And people have been getting very angry because people like myself have been ta- calling them out and going, "You realise you have a Stepford wife king. You want to be a fifty. St- you want to be treated like an inanimate object." 
Yeah. Like you have to like, like, and it, as someone who used to do a lot of the, the alt kind of gothabilly fashion, Mm. it's really weird for me coming into it from that perspective of these women are dressing in a style that I would consider to be alternative, but they see it as a reclamation of traditional values. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was part of my queer identity was, you know, the, that kind of subversion of the fifties tropes where you have the fashion, but you make it your own and mm. you are still your own person. And, you know, it's, it's very kind of, there's this clash between it because the gothabilly community is very much, you get these people coming into our spaces and going, wow, I love your fashion. And then they find out you're a raging bisexual and you're suddenly getting pushed out of your own space because mm. they want the fashion, but they don't want the association of, you know, like the sex workers who use gothabilly to, well, gothabilly looks to get trending and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's a really weird kind of thing, but Instagram and TikTok are not taking them down. And yeah. I think, it's really like yeah. I think you're like when it comes to the stuff that I've seen, a lot of it has been like there's the kind of standalone videos where um I feel like it almost ties into the aesthetic stuff that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Where like yeah. aesthetically they are they are sorting out the kitchen and they are putting things away in the right order. Or like they they do the kind of classic kind of trad wife thing of like they're baking a pie for when the husband comes home and letting it yeah. rest on the like at the window. Um and they, they go through all this, but then you've got the other content where it's very much them doing the kind of like pick me thing. And they're, yeah, they're saying, exactly I'm, I'm not like the other girls. And it's like, I, I would much rather be rather be tending the kitchen than, um, you know, having an OnlyFans. Uh, and <laughs> Joy talking about rockabilly sex workers. And I goes, so I've seen some videos. I mean... <laughs> Color me surprised. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> um, it was just research for the podcast. What are you talking about? Course, yeah. um, but no, like the... Like is 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 one of the things, and that's that's where the backlash is coming from. So, like people are now like it. It was almost people were kind of ignoring it while it was all about. Um, oh, you know, I here's my aesthetically pleasing video of me sorting the cutlery drawer or whatever the fuck they do. Yeah. Um, but then it became criticizing other women, being like. Oh, I'm not on OnlyFans. <laughs> Instead, you can you can subscribe to me on another platform where I don't post anything like that. <laughs> subscribe to me on Instagram so you can watch me clean my house instead. Yeah. And so that isn't going to be somebody's kink anyway. It's just, yeah. it's so... The double standard of I'm not like other girls whilst being like every other bitch is just like unreal. And yeah. it pisses me off so much because they're in my spaces. They're coming into the tags that we curate as part of the queer community and they're ve being very much like, oh no, we don't want you having this fashion aesthetic, this is ours. And it's like, ah, uh, pretty sure it belongs to everyone, but you don't, like it, for me it's mm. very frustrating because I am not really involved in that fashion scene anymore just because I don't have the time and energy to do that level of upkeep. But it, I'm still, like, all my friends are still there and they are getting content taken down because they are not posting trad wife stuff. Like, their yeah. content gets taken down. They're all dressed the same way. How come the queer stuff's getting taken down but the trad wife stuff where they, they basically, it's hate crimes. They're getting away with saying hate crimes. They're getting away with being transphobic and using hate speech. 
but because it's oh well they're dressed very pretty and they look very conservative therefore it can't be breaking the rules whereas my friend tags her gothabilly stuff as lgbt her stuff's down and demonetized mm. you What's know going on there <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if it's the same phenomenon that's happening with the trad wife werewolf pornography that's mm. using stolen content all over Instagram and TikTok. They don't get taken down, but I can't pay. I can't even pay for my ads to go through. Instagram just refunds me my money and is like, no, you don't need terms of services. And I'm like, for my what? own content that yeah. is not in breach of terms of service. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's it's very frustrating to see this level of our stuff is being in, in like immediately classified as kinky and overtly sexy, and I'm going. These people just have like green kinks. They just want a slave dynamic. They and but they don't recognize that what they're doing is a kink. They think it's a universal. This is the natural order of things. And it's like no, that's yeah. you know it's it's very insidious. Um, and it was funny at first to keep getting all the trad, the trad wife werewolf pornography that used Hermione and Draco images. It was kind of funny at first, but now I'm getting seriously pissed off by it as these people push the actual queer community out of their own tags. Mm. And they're just, it's, you know, they've just completely taken over like the, there was one that I follow the Gothabilly hashtag. And it was like, it used to be you'd see people with bright coloured hair, a lot of piercings, but then they'd have the kind of like the 50s aesthetic, but slightly different. Mm. And now it's now all I'm getting is a lot of the, the vintage people that are trying to live more like true to themselves, which, okay, but being true to yourself, does that mean like... It's, and a lot of the, uh, it's always know, people, it's people that want to return to the 1950s before civil rights. It's like, yes. it's, there's yes. definitely an air of that. In fact, there was one, there was one lassie who like was making a passionate argument that she really did want to experience what that time was like. And everyone in the comments was kind of going, yeah, what, like the whole like racism stuff? And she was like, no, ob obviously not that, but I would definitely like to experience the 1950s. And you're like, mm, okay. You want the aesthetic uh, of it. And they always say things like, oh, I want to go back to when you could go on dates and have a milkshake. You can still do that. You can still yeah. dress the way you want to dress and you can go have a milkshake with the boy. I promise you, the boys were not being any nicer back then. <laughs> you were still getting pressure for sex because they bought you that milkshake. Um... And it's just, it's such a weird, like, disconnect. It's very much like, I want to go back to the way it was. And it's like, nobody does. Yeah. Because the way it was is not the way you think it is. You have this internalized ideal of something that doesn't actually exist. It's the it's ideal from propaganda that was based on the oppression of, like, everyone else around you. It's, it's like that thing where um, people always say... Um, remember when flights were like this and it shows you all like the proper vintage flying ads where like mm -hmm. the air hostess would like like have a trolley with a fucking roast meal on it and would like yeah. carve like carve a roast meal onto your dish and it's like yeah you know that that was available to like fuck all people like there was very few people back then who were like affording flying in the same kind of uh, yeah. way it's interesting because it touches on another thing. This is going to be a tangent, so like, apologise to everyone. Um, but it sounds kind of similar to there's like a specific thing um, in 
in Russia called kind of like nostalgia for the past where a lot of their like it's like post-communist nostalgia for the pre-communist time right the good old days the, yeah the good old days but like the good old days that no one modern has like actually experienced and it's like entirely uh constructed i mean there are very i mean i don't want to say there are very few people there's definitely a lot of old bastards who were kicking about in the 1950s there's very few people who experienced the 1950s who weren't like children right as in they were actually like adults in the 1950s i think Mm -hmm. a lot of them are probably gone now um but in in russia there's like there's a whole kind of like cultural like loads of their films and stuff all came out based around like pre-communist time so even though russia isn't particularly communist now as in you know they're an oligarchy um there is this like there's this like cultural nostalgia for a time before communism even though a lot of the young people in russia never experienced communism yeah like you know the fall of the soviet union and all the rest of it they've never experienced it in the same way obviously there's a generation who did experience the kind of tail end of it uh, and a little bit of what actually did happen but like there's fucking no one around that experienced pre-communism you know there there might be one or two but like no one pre like the russian revolution and they've got this like weird romanticized vision of what that was about and there's like a film that basically revolves entirely around like russian kind of nostalgia so there is this kind of like weird cultural oh i wish i was part of that um it was a great style back then it was back when russia had a culture that communism kind of removed and i know it's a completely different thing in an american context with the 1950s and stuff but Mm -hmm there's definitely a lot of people who have never experienced that time and haven't learned from anyone who did experience that time. They've just like, they've got this kind of like idolized vision. They've, you know, they kind of, they've seen Greece and then they've taken Greece a couple of steps back to the 1950s. Um, and went that would be good. Well, it's, I think for a lot of people, it's just wanting simplicity. And But the thing mm-hmm. is, that there were people in the 50s that wanted the simplicity of the 20s. There were people in yeah. the 20s that wanted the simplicity of the, 1800, like the 1800s. And it's, it's the constant nostalgia for something that doesn't actually exist. It's the nostalgia probably for when you were a child and you didn't have responsibilities. That's yeah. what I think it is. I think a lot of it, and, and Panny, I think it was, um, I'm just going to scroll up and find that comment again. It was Panny in chat was saying, you know, these women that want the kind of the trad wife life, they want to go back and be a rich white woman who has no awareness of what's going on outside her house. I think that's true. Because <laughs> she's I think fucked lot- on Valium the entire exactly. time. <laughs> exactly. Like that was, I, you know, um, it, mental illness does not run in my family. It gallops. Uh, so, <laughs> it, you know, I, we had a lot of like, like grandma and everything else it was like oh well grandma had such a good time in like the 50s and everything else i'm like yeah because she was off her tits she was on opioids she was on valium like they gave her like Mm. all sorts of drugs to keep her manageable because otherwise she was going insane and it was like that i i 
Mad Men, I have conflicted feelings about the show Mad Men, but the one thing I really liked is how they show Betty Draper losing her goddamn mind as a housewife. She went from being a fashion model to a housewife, and her boredom is what makes her so angry all the time. Mm -hmm. There's an entire episode that's her, like, it's during a heat wave, and she's she's fantasizing about having an affair with an air conditioning salesman because she's so bored. Because she's done every, she's done everything by ten a.m. and she's just in her, alone in her house, and she starts sinking into alcoholism. She starts becoming dependent on opioids because she's got nothing to do because she's living in this small bubble of a world where reality doesn't filter, and that's not good for you either. But what I think is a lot of these people really do just want to be oblivious. They don't want to have to think about the fact that, you know, oh, gas prices are rising, oh, the cost of eggs have gone up. They don't want to hear about wars in other countries. They want to go back to when the most important thing was what was happening at the church gossip meeting. Yeah. You know, they want that. They want the simplicity of it. But the thing is, you don't get there by going back to a time when other people had less rights. You don't yeah. go back to a time when we didn't have as great health care. You get it by voting for a better tomorrow so that the world is less of a clusterfuck. That's how you get to having a better reality where you're not being constantly bombarded with things. But also, just curate your time and space. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's there's kind of yeah. two, there's kind of two prongs to it as well because there is there's there's that nostalgia for something that you can't be nostalgic for because you didn't yeah. experience it yourself, like the people our age or whatever who want to go back to the 1950s that's that that ship has sailed you'll not experience that again but yeah th so there's this like there's this connection where you I, i'm guessing you're assuming that time was much simpler on account of the technology was simpler um and that's the only they like I imagine people's lives were probably just as complex uh, back then. In the same way, they were probably just as complicated back in the 1920s and the 1800s. Like, the actual lives we of have, people. Were we just... have records of people complaining about children growing up with paper instead of using slate and chalk. Yeah. Because slate and chalk is better. And it's like, in what world? Well, I mean, it's, in it's, what world? it's, it's funny because it's actually the same kind of trend uh, that people have always said about masculinity as well. There's like there's, yeah. a, there's the same trend when it comes to masculinity that every single generation going oh the, the men are are getting less less like men and like you you can see that and it goes like all the way back like so fucking far like even in like the 1920s they were going oh like men are wearing like too much makeup was like one of the complaints they're not being they're not being men. I mean there um, there's there's historical accounts in the 1800s of men like complaining about how men are wearing corsets. Men had been wearing corsets since the 1600s and probably yeah. before that actually and they were like oh these men are not men because they're wearing corsets. Henry VIII wore stays. <laughs> yeah. The you know it's it's such a weird thing to be like oh women are less like women and men are less like men. No, we just don't match up with the propaganda that, the, that every new conservative generation tries to create. Yeah. We're not falling, but like we're not falling outside the norm of human experience. We're falling outside the the limitations people are trying to put on us. Yeah. That's what's happening. It's not that we're abnormal; it's that people are trying to put abnormal limitations on it. And it's such a weird disconnect to see. See it becoming so prevalent because the algorithm mm. likes it. 
See, and I, like yeah, I, I I genuinely find the topic of nostalgia like really quite interesting because like people say that your your music your music taste kind of solidifies around the age of like 13 14 mm-hmm. and like sure there'll be new songs but like you'll always listen to the stuff that you listened in that formative period where it's like specifically your music taste forms around the age of 13 14 and it, like obviously it kind of it can chill out a bit if you're like really really into a certain genre you'll probably mellow out and be more open to other genres um as you grow older but like you'll always have this really intense connection to like the mm-hmm. the period and to be honest the same can be said about everything it's why there's so much nostalgia for like certain games are getting remastered that shouldn't really be getting remastered when you think about it like obviously a lot of like online digital entertainment now especially like games and like even films are getting remade i mean fucking the hearing that warner brothers is wanting to do a lord of the rings remake makes me want to die like why it's not it's 20 25 years old it's it's not old enough to remake. It's, it's fucking, it was 2003. It's 20 years old will be, 20 when, years Re- old, will yeah. be when Return of the King came out. And, you know, they're already thinking about remaking them. And it's like, those films st- still stand... I mean, there's there's films that came out in the fucking 1960s that we've not felt the need like to remake. remaking Casablanca. Yeah, Nobody remakes Casablanca because what? it's a classic. It, exactly. And, like, I do think that there's just like for the, like the most recent one was like the dead space remake which i think that would have came out probably when i was in the middle of high school so did i did i want the dead space remake because i was like this game definitely needs remade and it like it needs to be improved or did i want to feel how i felt like i was in the middle of high school where times were a simpler and i didn't have as as much bills to pay you know that kind of thing um and i feel like that that is like that's it's not the same nostalgia that's feeding into your trad wife stuff but it's definitely nostalgia when it comes to it's where it starts it's people going i want what i had when i was younger i want to feel i I genuinely think so much of it is born from a desire to be bombarded with less content and also to have less worries. I think that is yeah. a huge part of it. And that's valid. But the answer is not take away, you know, campaign for the rights of others to be taken away. It's to shut your phone off and to do something that gives you purpose. <laughs> go, go, for a, <laughs> go for a snooze and turn off your notifications. Yeah, it, exactly. It I mean... I think, yeah, there's definitely a I would love the world to be a bit more quieter. And I do think that obviously the rise of social media in our lifetime and us being like, I mean, that that's another thing. That I think why we see so many people being quite doomerist on social media is because mm-hmm. you know every single small fucking story that happens. And I feel like obviously there was like news back then, but a lot of the time you weren't seeing an individual on the ground who'd filmed a video on their phone and uploaded it to Twitter and you're seeing like, you know, and sorry if this is a bit heavy, but like when Russia invaded Ukraine, like the amount of video content that is just so like graphically violent, like I, I still occasionally see videos of like grenades being dropped into trenches and seeing mm-hmm. people's reactions to those, like, you know, 
that wouldn't have been fucking available to anyone 10 years ago, let alone, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I kind of do understand that there's this desire to almost be like, I'd much prefer there was that time where I could just shut myself out completely. It's Um, the good that people... So to me, it's a double-edged sword because it's good that people that are being oppressed are have these tools to have their yeah. voices be heard. They're able to get the story out into the world, whereas before it would be oppressed by things like the BBC and other major news outlets. But also, the human psyche is not built to, sus- to sustain prolonged exposure to the unending horrors of the world 24-7, and that's currently what we get. Yeah. Like, I, I actively, if someone tags me in something, um, and it's horrific... I make a choice between reblogging it and because I, I feel like it needs to have more awareness. But then I'm also like, it's Tumblr. People come here to not think about the horrors of the world. And I, I actively make a lot of choices a lot of the time to go like, I'm not going to inflict this video on my followers that has someone being killed. Yeah. Because that's not okay. And... Um, it, it, and then you get people messaging you saying, well, obviously you don't care about this because you're not talking about it. And I'm like, I care about it, but Tumblr's not where I go for news. Tumblr's where I go to have community and outlet and to have my own interests. It's not, I'm not, you know, it's not CNN. I'm yeah. not getting my news from Tumblr. And if you are getting all of your news from Tumblr and Twitter, you need to stop and you need to actually read from multiple news sources yeah. to get a better pick. You can't just read one because, a, you, you know, you, <laughs> it's, it's very kind of... That's, that's, a que- that's a question I get quite a lot on, on Tumblr because there, there are people that are really interested in, like, Scottish and British politics who kind of, like, they, they think that I'm clued into this, like, one specific news source and I'm getting, like, I'm getting fed all of the... Exclusive like, news, yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm getting, like, fed all the stuff that I then go and, like, do. It's like, I mean, like, the BBC, as much as I dislike the BBC, it is a source. But it is, like, entirely on me to analyse that source and then maybe compare what other people are saying. Um, like, I don't mind people who... Like, you know, there's there's just, there's no one hit wonder. I mean, there's people that, <laughs> there's folk who ask me what, uh, what radio, I think that's, this one ask that I've not answered today was, uh, what radio station do you, I don't listen to fucking radio. I'm not 50. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't listen to radio at all. Like, I don't know. I've it, never, yeah. It's just, it's not part of my regular. And, and the answer is you can't have just one. Yeah, because that will get you. It will, it will mark you with bias. Like yeah. I, obviously, there are limits. I do not touch anything with Fox unless I want to see what Fox is saying, so I can understand what the fuck is happening. But yeah. it's like you need to read from multiple sources if you want to have as unbiased of you as possible, and you also need to learn to learn to research when something you're being led. Yeah, and it's really interesting for me because I. As someone who is part of a minority, I'm, I'm disabled. A lot of the time with news reporting, what I see currently to do with things like, like the pandemic and what the news is saying doesn't match up with reality for me. Mm. So I feel like a total conspiracy theorist when I have people saying, well, the news says that it's safe. And I'm like, yeah, the same news is also reporting like 24-7 about all the horrors of other things to keep you distracted from the fact that this is actually a thing. But mm. it's you you have to be clued into multiple sources 
and you have to learn to filter and sift through them yourself to kind of grasp an understanding of what is not being said but also what is being said and it's i think that's why i really go into like i think there's a lot of people that get their news from like one source and then they go into panic mode like i noticed that like there's a lot of like there's a lot of like I always say, and it's doomerism, and I'm not sure if folk are too familiar with the term. They might be aware of things like doom scrolling, where like yeah. something bad's happened uh, in the world, so they'll be glued to Twitter and they will be doom scrolling, where everyone is, you know, basically being all doom and gloom about one topic, um, yeah. and it's not good for their mental health, and they'll stay like absolutely stuck on it, and. Mm-hmm. I'd, I would argue that reading from multiple sources actually makes you a little bit more pragmatic and allows you to like to to some extent also see the bigger picture because if you do just go off of like a lot of the time when people are like being kind of doomerist they'll take one source everyone will talk about that one source and you know you don't see the kind of the the broader picture um so it is always worth kind of having mm-hmm. a couple of well, that was the, with the Ohio disaster that happened over here with the train derailment. Mm. Um, there were claims on Twitter, and there was one post on Tumblr that OP did correct, and it was, oh, there's a media blackout. And my whole week had been hearing about nothing but the Ohio disaster from yeah. NPR, CNN, Fox reported on it. And I'm like, is it a media blackout, or are you just getting everything from Twitter where people aren't necessarily talking about the same things because they're talking about what is local to them? It's not that nobody's talking about it. It's just that it's not relevant to their immediate situation unless you happen to be in Ohio. Like that, and it's really a weird way to say nobody's talking about this when you're on social media because social media is not a hive mind. It's individual people and nobody is obligated to talk about something just because it is like happening. It's It's a really weird kind of like, guilty why didn't you know about this tragedy well you might be dealing with a personal tragedy right now therefore you're not watching the news or you could be in ukraine and you are being bombed therefore you don't know what the fuck's happening in ohio you know yeah and it's such a weird like you need to be cued and you need to be clued in at all times otherwise you're not a moral person no that's how you go insane you can't do that it's not sustainable yeah i think there's there's a lot of and it's also why, I, like, obviously, you'll know this uh, a little bit more than me, uh, Joy, being super popular on Tumblr, as you are. Um, <laughs> but, like, with a certain profile on Tumblr, and I've kind of been exposed a little bit to it as well, like, sometimes you get quite a lot of quite tough asks that, like, are people who are looking for money and are looking for donations. Yes. And, like, about a wide range of things. I mean... Like I've, I've had a couple of asks where like people have posted their dead animal to me in a in like yeah. in in a picture and they say I need money to get my animal cremated and like you know that can be a little bit of kind of like shock and awe when you get that in your ask box because it's like yeah you can't like I I can't I can't reply to that. I can't even reply to that privately because it's like, you know, I, I, yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard, yeah. and I actually have a I have a blanket policy for myself that I only reblog from people I'm actually friends with now. Oh yeah, I get I get 
anywhere from 20 to 50 asks a day begging for help. And I tell them all, submit to Radio Free Monday, which is run by Copper Badge on Tumblr. He's been running it since the tum- he's been running it since the live journal days. Yeah. His community is very supportive. And it's, oh no, because because it gets tagged as mutual aid and then no one gives to that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to tag this as mutual aid. And, you know, but people, people want their fundraisers to no longer be tagged as mutual aid because they know people who have trauma with poverty aren't going to see it. And it, it, they want to get around the tag so that everyone, more people will see it. And I'm going, well, that is not okay. Yeah. Like, y- y- people have a right to protect themselves. Like, I'm... I'm someone that we had to ask for money a while ago. A couple of, I mean, I was, for anyone new who's listening and who is not aware, I had a lot of medical stuff happening over the last couple of years. And it, one of them was a very expensive MRI, which my insurance did not cover because I got dropped illegally by my plan because my immigrant status changed. It should not have changed anything to do with my insurance, but they used it as an excuse to drop me. I got left with a six grand fee for an MRI that I needed because I had possibly had a brain bleed. Mm. So I had to put on my post like, hey, I'm trying to raise money so I can do a down payment, blah, blah, blah. And I'm very grateful for everyone that did contribute and reblog and everything else. But I tagged it as medical injury, mutual aid, donation, fundraising, because there are people who live with that kind of financial insecurity who don't want to be reminded about the fact that, you know, people are struggling and they feel guilty because they can't give. Or they're reminded of their own poverty and everything else. And for me, it's hard when people send me messages going, can you reblog this, but don't tag it as mutual aid because some people filter that. That to me is immediately, no, I'm not going to do that because that is a boundary that people have put in place to protect themselves. It's not because they're mean and they don't want to give you money. It's because for whatever reason, they can't cope with it. Ah, but John, what do you say to the people who say that we are sitting on the hordes of Jeff's Bezos's wealth <laughs> that, that we have accrued over time and we are solely responsible for world hunger and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's it, it, that's also <laughs> a, weird, a weird disconnect because it's I routinely talk about how for years we were living paycheck to paycheck. And yeah. I, you know, I'm in a rare situation where my books are actually somewhat sustained. Like if I wouldn't be able to do it if my partner didn't work full time but my books have enabled it to the point where you know writing can be my full-time job because it makes more money than what I was doing editing and it's a really privileged unique position but at the same time Amazon still takes like 80% of my income yeah I don't get big money from Amazon and yet every every single week I still get people saying to me you're a shell because you use Amazon oh no, the indie author who writes queer disabled romance is having to use the biggest <laughs> publisher in the world to get published. How However, could will you? We justify this? <laughs> like, it's so weird. And yeah. it's like, are you going after a penguin in Random House for using Amazon as a distributor? Yeah. No? For okay. the record, folks, for anyone who doesn't know this, I got some very weird add-ons on uh, on Tumblr. I've been cancelled for being an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically so. Apparently, streaming on Twitch means that I have single-handedly turned Jeff Bezos into the billionaire um, horror that he is, um, which is very, very strange in my opinion. Because I feel like a lot of content creators, much bigger than I, have made. A lot more for Jeff Bezos, but that doesn't particularly matter. If it wasn't, but even then, if, I, you're not if making... I wasn't, if I wasn't streaming on Twitch, I'd be streaming on YouTube, and I'd be making money for Google. 
So it's, it's, you can't win. But even then, the money that Twitch, they, they don't make huge revenue from Twitch. No, they don't even all. make huge revenue from KDP, which is Kindle Publishing. It's I would be surprised their, if they Twitch make their money was a, from the marketplace. I, I would be fucks. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Anti Mimetic just gifted a sub to Jeff Bezos. Thank you, Anti Mimetic, for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking screenshot that and post it on, <laughs> on Tumblr. <laughs> make somebody's head explode. <laughs> um, but the <laughs> the yeah, I think like you know if it's it is extremely hard to do anything in this world when uh, three people own fucking everything. Um, it's hard not to touch that. So, um, I mean, most hospitals use Amazon hosting services for their like their online my chart and everything else. They yeah. use Amazon. It, you cannot avoid, like when Amazon servers go down, you know because everywhere goes down. Twitter goes down. Facebook goes down. You know, and it's it's you know. It's everywhere at this point. It's like saying, oh, well, can you buy... It's like trying to boycott Nestle and finding out Nestle actually owns the all-organic, hippie, crunchy chocolate bars you've been enjoying this whole time. Yeah. You know, it's so hard to have boycotts when everything is now a monopoly. You're not just boycotting the shop down the road. You're trying to boycott a multi-billion corporation that owns other multi-billion corporations so that you don't even know... Like they'll, they'll specifically like the Dagobah chocolate that everyone thinks is super crunchy and hippy. That's owned by Nestle, or is it Nestle? Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone's like, it's it's you know it's all the kind of like they they purposely market themselves to not look like the parent company, so that yeah. they'll get the people that are boycotting the parent company to go for that. And it's it's insidious. It's everywhere, and you can't criticize people for you know. Like, I mean, over the pandemic, there was people saying, oh, stop using Amazon for deliveries because of this. And I'm like, cool. What are people who live in remote areas supposed to do? What are people who have disabilities who can't leave during their houses during this pandemic supposed to do? Yeah. Like, you, that, that, you know, you can't turn around and say to somebody who's getting their medical supplies from Amazon, which, by the way, you can get a lot of medical supplies on Amazon cheaper than you do from your own health insurance in the US, at least. Mm. You can't turn around and say, "Well, you're in the moral, you're morally, you know, deficit because you're using Amazon to stay alive." No, the problem isn't the people; it's the billionaires who own all these corporations who have created these monopolies that you cannot escape. And it's <laughs> and I was, so annoying. There was there was a slight moment there when I went and. Ice Fear episode that talks about capitalism. What? I know, I imagine that. <laughs> how have we ended up at this topic as well? It's Out almost of character for us. <laughs> it's almost as if it's the shrouded shadow that exists everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, the constant nightmare we're living with. And, and it is it is interesting though, and I think it's why like obviously there is uh like I try and like. You try and be as ethical a consumer as possible, but it genuinely, yeah, like it, it's it's genuinely impossible because somewhere along the supply chain, someone's getting fucked over. Doesn't matter if you're buying like you know ethical coffee beans or whatever it is, uh, you know, there's like fair trade and all this kind of stuff. Somewhere along that, it's someone's getting mistreated. 
You could yeah. like argue, you know, Starbucks where someone's not getting a decent living wage. Okay, well, it doesn't matter where they got their fucking coffee from and how much they've paid for the coffee if they're not paying their staff properly. You know, there's no there's yeah. no ethical consumption under capitalism. Ah, there we go. And yeah, I was trying I was trying to find the right words there. Um but yeah, it's it's something. So it's not, which some people think is a blanket excuse to just, you know, I've seen the no ethical consumption under, under capitalism used to justify buying that Hogwarts Legacy game. That's not what it means. It means that yeah. it's very hard to live in a society where everything's so connected. You have a choice, to, you know, you don't need the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, I mean, I suppose the, argue, the argument there, though, could be well, technically, I don't need to stream. Which which is is fair. I maybe I maybe don't enjoy it. It's good, <laughs> and that could probably be the same argument that's used against Hogwarts Legacy. However, I would like to think that I'm not a transphobic horror, whereas J.K. Rowling is. So I have the moral high ground here. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do, you do. Oh, I will stand I'm, by that. I'm, but it's, I'm glad. It's, I'm glad you've confirmed that for me, Joe. <laughs> but it's also the. The, the the you know the 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 ask you were getting was oh you're reaching into people's overdrafts to fund your fame and it's like you routinely host charity events where you raise thousands of dollars to give to charities for trans rights LGBT rights you know it's okay it's, no you're not allowed to bam me up on stream we've had this discussion <laughs> also I almost want to send that but send that ad on like a fucking screenshot of my bank balance I am not sitting on hordes of wealth from people's overdrafts it is very very not do you know what's actually funny like, so this week it's not funny because it's actually quite tragic for a lot of people but Instagram announced that they're no longer giving people bonuses for reels yes, which means a lot of those Instagram people who basically make their income off of Instagram are about to lose 90% of their income. Mm. Which is a problem because a lot of those influencers, they get popular using, you know, there's some of them are making very original content, but there's also some who get popular just by doing like plagiarism. They just yeah. like use some somebody else's sound clip and they use it and they, they basically drive it into the ground. And it's, people are panicking because they're no longer getting their money from that. And I'm like, well, maybe... It's one of those things where you shouldn't be getting money for, like, you shouldn't be putting all your eggs in one basket, is what I'm saying. Because yeah. that's that would be like me saying, oh, yeah, like, um, you know, my books have taken off, therefore I'm going to only write the one thing over and over and over again. And it's, I'll never use merchandise. I'll never, like, like go beyond that like if you're if you're going to be a creator you have to actually create things that people want to engage with and own and have and it can't just be internet clown makes money and i'd argue yeah. that streamers give entertainment and it's it's that people that are like <laughs> oh well you're part of the problem because you're just trying to be famous no some people are just it's their way of socializing it's their way of having a voice it's their way of like doing fun things with people and also having charity events and but also yeah. a lot of the people that first started in this industry a lot of them were disabled it was people that yeah. were working from home like and a, a big example is the yeah. other yeah it was it wasn't even started as a job it became a like it didn't it didn't start as a job it started as just like streaming or doing whatever and it became a community and that community wants to look after its its own 
Um, yeah. I mean, like, one of the things that, like, and again, I, I, I really don't like talking shop when it comes to streaming because it is a bit weird, especially to do it on stream. But, like, at the end of the day, it's kind of all about the kind of, like, community side of it anyway. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but no one starts a, a Scottish political blog to become famous for like no <laughs> i mean i could i could just fucking make a tit of myself on like tiktok and do it that way um, you would you could get more you could get more money from dancing on tiktok than what yeah. you actually do by just following yes. trends and getting yeah. paid for that you would make more not money. not even starting trends i mean like i yeah. i think you, you made a good point about like kind of original content technically every stream is original content you never get the same <laughs> thing twice um, I probably tell the same stories several times, but I'm wearing different clothes while I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I think it's um, it is an interesting thing because obviously, like I I do this part time because I have to cobble together other bits and pieces to try and survive and make a living um, yeah. and and pay bills. Um, and it's you know I think it's 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 a weird it, thing to criticize. Yeah. I would say because it, it's me, not yeah. like I would say affiliate marketing is definitely something that I'm not a fan of. Like, there's lots of folk out there that just peddle like Amazon affiliate links, and yeah. that, like that's their thing. And it's not—I don't know—I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, but that's also how some people make their living. Um, and, and it's it's the kind of like I don't begrudge anyone how they make their money. I do, however, take issue when a lot of it's kind of scammy stuff. Uh, so you will have influencers that are like, what's her, what was her name? Gabby Hanna. She was selling those, like, she was going, oh, look at these makeup brushes. They're so excellent. And they're, like, reduced from, like, $40 down to one. And it's an exclusive deal only to my followers. And it's like, there's a reason they're that discounted. You know they're a scam and you're taking that deal because you want the money. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's you know, there are some people, and again, as um by saying in chat, it's, you know, I regret Jess Bafos for how he makes his money because his money's made on exploitation. Not everyone yeah. who is an influencer or a streamer works on the, the basis of exploitation. There are some of us who actively kneecap ourselves and don't take money from things yeah. because we don't agree with them. Like, there, are, there have been so many, like, brands that have reached out to me wanting me to do things, wanting me to promote products, and I go... I, I could pay off a chunk of medical debt with the money from that, but I'm, I look at it and I go, no. I, it's not a product I would feel okay with pushing at my people and saying, yeah, I love this thing that I never use. You know, <laughs> every, every single time I get asked to do a Raid Shadow Legends fucking advert on stream and it's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I wouldn't. It, I get so much stuff for like, oh, it's uh, the the clean living movement. And then I go and look at their product and I go, you realize that people with mast cell disease would all react to this, right? Because although it's clean, it's still got high histamine. And and I I never hear back from them. Mm. I never, as soon as I raise up the fact that, oh, yeah, you like organic labeling for cosmetics in the US, there's no real restriction to that. Yep. And, it, you know, there's no FDA standards for certain things. And I'm going, I'm not going to promote something that's a, basically a scam. Like, I I do a lot of, like, um, eco-friendly makeup and everything else purely because my skin can't handle anything else. It's yeah. not because I believe toxins bad. Like, yeah. I, have a fun I have functional liver and kidneys. Like, I don't, like, <laughs> and it's... But they, they go, like, oh, well, you're a health blogger, so therefore you'll want to promote this promote this juice cleanse. 
and some of them it's like there was one that was like a, a you know they offer money in the thousands some of them to promote their scams and it's just like hmm yeah i wish i didn't have morals right now because <laughs> i would be a lot better off but yeah. i do you know and it's it's hard when you get people going oh you're just the same as everybody else and you're sitting there with your debt going i'm really not <laughs> yeah there's a there's there's two interesting ones from chat blue or lights for saying that like obviously there's a group of influencers that always try and sell success courses and i remember a i think it was ninja a the fortnite streamer tried to sell like a how to become a streamer course yes and that's that's fucking icky like that's like you can't you can't buy that a lot of it is luck uh, and uh, i mean a lot of it's effort but a lot of it is also luck like i would say there's an element of luck to me growing as a streamer on a like daily basis um especially like kind of like upshoots and stuff like that um and uh, i mean i i still routinely get the would you like to sell your courses on how to be a right and that's i have the the, hmm. the post that goes around that i reblog every so often because i get approached by these companies going you should tell people how you became a successful author and i'm like i became a successful author because i've been blogging since i was 15 years old some yeah. of my audience have been with me since you know they've been with me for over 15 years and they're i'm a successful writer because i've been doing this for so long and also i I'm good at it. You can see the pain that caused me to You're say that there. <laughs> but it's they—they they want you to be like, oh, what's your secret? And then they want you to you know the trade secrets of how to do publishing. And I'm like, the information's all out there for free. Like, I'm not going to gatekeep any of this. Yeah, I'm especially not going to charge people a hundred dollars a class to be like, here's how you upload a file to Amazon. <laughs> like yeah. that's you know because you can't teach people how to be successful at these things because it's. A lot of it, like you say, is luck. Yeah. There's a certain amount that, you know, some of it's There's... personality, some of it's skill, some of it's learned talents and everything else. But then a lot of the time, it's the luck of the draw. Like if Crucifix Nail Nipples had never gone viral, it would probably have taken me a lot longer to bec become an author just because yeah. I did not have the audience to fall back on. Yeah. And, and that is a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because, like, I think if. Um... Like, if I hadn't had Tumblr and I just started streaming, I don't think I'd be anywhere near the level of stream that I'm at at the moment. Oh. Because, like, it, and I know that that, like, you know, you just, it takes time and effort to do stuff like that. Sorry, one other thing that I think it was a Rin Sanity was saying is influencers that also do the, like, the sponsorships for, like, online therapy. Um, the better help yeah yeah i've seen a lot of better help adverts recently on tiktok in particular actually and i yeah i remember there there was an app there was an app that i tried to use during university right because i was struggling a bit and it was interesting because obviously it was an app that was designed as a two-way thing so people could sign up as both someone who needed someone to talk to and someone who would be happy to do the talking to. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Which, like, you know, being young at the time and not quite understanding, like, I mean, I, I fucking saw through it right away the moment I ended up talking to someone. And it was like, right-wingers were using it as a recruiting platform. I remember trying... so. I'd, I'd signed up 
um, and someone was trying to talk to me and they were very much doing the men going their own way um, mm-hmm. argument. So the person I was talking to was portraying themselves as someone who was someone who would just happily listen and kept on trying to pull the conversation towards like try and further isolate yourself try and like you know it was just not fucking healthy um so i am extremely skeptical of anything like that and i know that there's like i know that there's like better help might have verified accredited therapists there but i i don't know there's just something not quite right yeah it's better i i used better help before the pandemic actually um and I found my ADHD, I've actually found my ADHD therapist on there. Okay. And she left because she was being treated so badly by mm. BetterHelp. They were withholding her money. Um, they right, were, you Jesus. know, and it was, you know, she was, she was getting paid half of what she would be earning for regular clients, but it was really heavily pushed um, for her to do this by the school she would, she'd actually trained with. And, right. um, it was very much like, oh, this is the future of things. You're going to have to get with it. And um, we, when it, she she told me she was leaving BetterHelp and setting up her own thing. She's like, she's like, I know you're disabled, and part of the the because this was when I was really really ill. Like this mm. was when I was still bedbound. And she said, I know part of this for you is that you can do it from home, and you're not being exposed to like if I have germs because I've got kids and everything else. And she's like, and you can do it from bed. I don't mind if you're in bed and we're doing it like a video chat. She's like, if I find a way to find a HIPAA compliant app, would you still want to keep doing it this way? And I was like, absolutely, yes, please. Mm. Um, and but she was like, afterwards when she was leaving, and I was transferring all my money over. BetterHelp made it so difficult to cancel my membership with them. They yeah. made it so so difficult. You can imagine it's similar to they, like a yeah. gym a gym membership. They're like, oh, it's like, it's like trying to cancel your cable. It's like, are you oh, sure we'll, we'll we'll charge you less? We'll charge you less. And I was like, no, I'm just leaving. Thank you very much. Uh, and then I went with her, and I remember we had a conversation afterwards, like after our therapy session had ended. And I was, you know, I just kind of like, oh, how are you liking not working for BetterHelp anymore? And she's like. Honestly, I have less clients, but I'm earning more money because BetterHelp were just withholding all my funds because, like, it was it was kind of like almost the situation I was in with um, Audible a few months ago, mm. where they were withholding money because people were using the credit to just keep refunding things. So then I was owing Amazon money. That was happening with her. If people were just like canceling the services, it was, she just wasn't getting paid, even though she'd given her time. Fuck's sake! Um, it's funny so, how it's funny how yeah. like digital platforms like that go out of their way to like i mean it's one thing if you know if i have a subscription for i don't know like microsoft word and i cancel it like obviously i'm not going to get access to that service um and i've probably already paid my money but like you know when it's a person's time investment it's yeah shay um but yeah i think like there's there's a lot of things with like online digital like therapy stuff that i've just it's not like, Thank like you said, if BetterHelp's not even HIPAA yeah. compliant, you know, the, like the maturity isn't there to do that. And to be honest, your therapist is probably helping more people by having less clients because like yes. the, the motivation to help them is there. And like, I feel like someone who does therapy, as in someone who is a therapist, like <laughs> if, if they're, if they're a good therapist, obviously they deserve that level of money. There's no mm-hmm. point in spreading them thin 
with so many clients that they have to take on more work because that's less quality for the people who actually need help. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I'm sorry, I've just realised are we watching our time here, Joy? <laughs> yeah, I just looked at the clock. Tangent though. time. Yes. Um, but uh, no, I'll let you wrap up. I was just going to say it's all part of the late stage capitalism nightmare we're living with. So just be kind to each other. That's <laughs> unplug, uh, unplug every so often. Just take your time to enjoy things and don't get sucked into the algorithm of people telling you what to follow and what to do. That's it. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Right. I think we shall end it there. Thank you for, uh, to, to be honest, I feel like we've talked about loads. Um, and I know like a solid half of that was talking about that fucking atrocious film. <laughs> falling... I don't know how, how I'm going to write the descriptor for this episode because we went into like pre communism Russia. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on the back of Tradwave <laughs> Kings. With 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 Ice Fear, you get fucking everything. Um, for those of you in the chat, don't go anywhere. We'll be hanging around for uh, 10, 15 minutes uh, afterwards. Um, but thanks to all of you who are listening on the podcast platform of your choice. Um, we will see you again in two weeks' time. Um, yeah. And this is just a reminder to folks that um, we do have Ice Fear Plays sessions. So on the weeks that we don't record the podcast, we actually play uh, games together on Twitch and you're more than welcome to join us then. It's at the same time as normal. Um, But yeah, thanks very much, folks. See you later. Thank you. Bye-bye.